3: Hey friends, today's guest is Matt Thiessen, lead vocalist and pianist for the Canton, Ohio rock band Reliant K. Matt and I take the plunge and break down their breakout single, Be My Escape, taken from their 2004 and first major label album, mm hmm. I mentioned to Matt that this is one of the more interesting songs I've broken down on this show. The arrangement is grandiose, unorthodox, and has more twists and turns than you can count. He explained that was the idea going in, to not write predictable songs with formulaic arrangements. And man, did they succeed in not doing so. The track sits at four minutes but feels half as long, something I chalk up to innovative and great songwriting. I mentioned to Matt that drummer Dave Douglas shines on this track. His placement and feel within the song makes it completely stand out among the majority of other pop and punk bands of that era. Matt refers to co-producer Mark Lee Townsend as another member of Reliant K, a trust and a bond that has been nurtured for going on three decades. And I said it during the episode, and I'll say it again. I love this podcast. Yeah, I remember hearing Be My Escape back in the day, but going in deep and breaking it down as we do here allows me to hear the song again for the very first time. Super awesome. For all this and a whole lot more, stick around. Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Matt, what's up? Nothing. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I want to uh, thank you for sitting in today uh, with me. I've known about you and your band for a long time, but I don't recall ever meeting.
0: Yeah, I don't think we have. I was really excited to be a part of this, mostly actually just because I wanted to meet you.
3: (laughs) Well, that is really nice to say. And I got to tell you something. While researching for this episode, okay, and this has never happened before, so I kind of got a little giddy, but I don't want to get too excited because this was on the internet, okay? (laughs) It was on, I believe, your Wikipedia page. It said, since Reliant K's early days... Deeson's main influences have been in the pop punk genre, specifically no effects less than Jake Gotti hook MXPX and Goldfinger. Is mm-hmm. that true? Oh yeah.
0: Very true. Very true. <laughs> that
3: is awesome. Yeah. Thank, thank you for the mention. Well, of course, thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you for the music. Honestly. Yeah. A lot of uh, what we're going to be talking about has to do with you and uh, especially the hello rock You album and all that. So
3: that means a lot. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I, I, I'll tell you, I'm impressed. I've researched a lot about you, and I just didn't know how much production credit and writing and stuff that you have done with everyone from from Katy Perry. You collaborated with John Foreman from Switchfoot, who we had on the show. John is awesome. He is so awesome. You've wrote songs with Glenn Ballard. You, you know, you you produced the Owl City record. That record sounds awesome. Cool. Thank you. A lot of the cool extra
0: stuff outside of the band that I got to do came from actually meeting Adam from Owl City. And uh, he was kind of the first artist I ever really worked with that wasn't you know, Reliant K. And uh, that like, set me in a direction that Uh, you know, a lot of cool things
3: happened. Well, that is really cool. Well, the song that we're going to be talking about today, Be My Escape, and I heard this uh, back in the day when it was released. Uh, It's from the record
2: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah. (laughs)
3: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, which was released on November 2nd, 2004. Uh, It was your first for Capitol Records. That was our label, Less Than Jake's label, in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Was Louis your your, uh, A&R guy by any chance? No. He wasn't. It was after that. Uh, He may
0: have still been there. But um, we had a couple of different guys, but actually Andy Slater uh, was the one who kind of brought us in. It was cool. Uh, with this album, we released it on Goatee Records, which was the, uh, the label that we'd always put our albums out on. And Capitol just kind of came along and said, hey, you know what? I think we can do something with you guys outside of just the Christian music. So uh, they kind of we had two labels for that release. It was kind of cool like that.
3: Right. I've had a couple of Christian artists on here. You know, I've had uh, Reese Roper from Five Iron Frenzy. Cool. And we, we, we had, uh, you know, John Foreman again from, from Switchfoot. And, you know, I talked to these guys about it a little bit. Did, did you ever feel coming up in that scene that it was, was a little bit limiting to you from from some of the Christian fans not uh, or, or, or vice versa, some of the, the secular fans that maybe weren't as accepting when they heard the word Christian?
0: You know, I always embraced every element of that. I really enjoyed... I don't know, some of the hoops you had to go through, some of the things you had to do, because it was a special, I don't know, it was a special time. Uh, Christian music was was in a unique place back then. And yeah, I just really enjoyed it. it. Kind of like embracing the, I don't know, yeah, the tough stuff that the world could throw at you. Like we didn't get to do everything we wanted all the time. And you kind of just had to like mind your P's and Q's and stuff like that. And I liked it. I liked it.
3: Yeah, I've always uh, said that that controversy breeds conversation. But this song, as I was saying, you know, it's about 18 years old now. I've I definitely heard it back in the day. But that's what I love about doing the, this podcast, because I'm now able to discover songs again uh, for the very first time. And this song is a monster. This song is... <laughs> it's so all over the place. The only congruent parts of this really are the pre-chorus and the Mm -hmm. chorus. The rest of this thing, (laughs) I don't understand how this could be uh, on paper, your biggest song because it's just so unorthodox.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, we started writing songs. Nobody told us how to do it. I, I was, I wasn't great at it. And, you know, so arrangements, I didn't know how to do that. You know, the normal, I would just, just like, let's just throw weird stuff in all the time. And I don't know, make songs into a bit of an adventure, but, yeah. I don't know how on paper this song
3: worked either, to be honest. I call this the uh, four in the morning song for the past two days. Uh, whenever I have to get up and, you know, uh, use the bathroom in the middle of the night cause I'm middle-aged uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm humming this song as I'm standing there, you know, going. So it's, it's been in my, been in my head for a couple days <laughs> for, maybe a little too much information there for the listeners. No, I but, love it. <laughs> but uh, you know, Matt, you, you're obviously the lead vocalist. You play piano, rhythm guitar, Matt hoops, uh, plays lead guitar in the band been there since the beginning and and Dave Douglas the drummer who played in this track Dave was with you for the for the first uh, number of years took a break there but now he's back with the band and what a monster these two guys are yeah I mean the bass playing and the drumming on this song is is, is over the top That's cool
0: yeah the bass player was uh actually uh our original bass player his name is Brian Pittman and he actually left the band in the middle of making this album. So he played on most of the tracks, but, uh, he
3: did play on it. Okay. I had read he left. I thought Matt had come in. So my, my, uh, my bad on that. No, all good. Well, you guys have released nine studio albums, seven EPs, which by the way, the vinyl countdown, this might be the greatest <laughs> title for a record ever. I I, I, I wish you didn't do that. I wish I would have thought of it. It's awesome. Uh, two Christmas albums and, and one collection of rarities. And, uh, 2003, the album you put out before mm-hmm, was Two Lefts, Don't Make a Right, But Three Do. And was Be My Escape a holdout from that album? Or did you write Be My Escape uh, specifically for Mm-hmm?
0: It was probably the first song that I wrote after we uh, were done with the Two Lefts album. So I had, I had the piano riff, but I don't think I had had it at the time uh, of making Two Lefts.
3: And I know the album was credited to Tom Lord Algae and J.R. McNeely for mixing. Do you recall who mixed uh, this track, Be My Escape?
0: It's funny. Um, So we had enough money in the budget to get Tom Lord Algae, you know, to mix three songs. So we had to pick which three songs we thought would be. Maybe singles, and we picked three songs that were not this song, and uh, so <laughs> we actually ended up having I think Tom Lord-Alge mix it again, so we got like a fourth one, but that's not the version that's on the album, which is kind of cool.
3: Really? So yeah. did did Jr mix that one?
0: Yeah, Jr mixed the whole album except for I want to say the one I'm waiting for, um, my girl's ex boyfriend, and highest seventy five those are the three that
3: Tom mixed. Well, it's a trip. And I've talked about this on this show before. You know, if you look at when this record was released 2004, and you go back 18 years from that, that's 1986. Nothing in in 1986 sounded sonically like something from 2004. But this song still holds up in 2022 to me. It still sounds like a great production. It doesn't sound dated to me.
0: Well, that's awesome. I would say, you know, a lot of that also applies to your band too right like you made these albums that just they sounded really good the guitars the drums the bass the vocals everything were great and that's gonna hold up and fortunately i think this the genre of music the ska and the pop punk or you know whatever it is it it's gonna be around forever you know it's really cool that i don't know it's reached
3: that that's awesome. And uh you produced this record along with Mark Lee Townsend. And and Mark Lee Townsend's been like the unofficial other member of your band. Oh, yeah. He's done done some touring with you guys and produced every record uh except 2013's Collapsible Lung. You didn't work with him on that. He's also done the wedding, the OC Supertones. He played guitar for the band DC Talk. Yeah. Which is crazy. What a cool band that, that was.
0: Amen. That's actually how the whole thing came together with our band getting signed was that Mark Townsend lived in Canton, Ohio, which is a small town. It's a small city. And uh, his stepdaughter knew Matt Hoops, our guitar player. And they went to school together. And we ended up convincing Mark to do our demo for $200. He did 11 songs for $200 in two days. And we had this demo produced by the guitar player from DC Talk. And then he goes out on the road with DC Talk and showed Toby McKeon, the, the singer and writer for that band. He saw, he heard our demo and ended up signing us to a developmental deal at the time. But it was it was crazy how that all happened. And it coming from Canton, Ohio, it was it was a bit of a, a unique story.
3: It's you used to see it a lot more in the 60s and 70s where bands would run with the same producer. You don't see that a lot anymore. And when I noticed that, I thought that was interesting.
0: Yeah. There's this a sense of family with him. He's very much like a a father figure in my life. And this comfortability, just, I'm not afraid to put out a bad idea, right? I'm not afraid to like go for it or scream or sound stupid in front of him. and he'll, you know, find a way to manipulate it and make it not sound so stupid.
3: <laughs> well, it sounds like there's some trust there, too. Which, Amen. you know, that that is so important with a producer. You There, there has to be a mutual trust going on. Uh, when when that fails, then, then you have real problems. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, for sure. Right on. Well, we're going to jump into the track right now. Um, this song's four minutes long. Doesn't feel like it's four minutes. Uh, goes by a lot quicker uh, than that. And uh, actually, before we jump in, do you, you know, you said you didn't, uh, have this as a holdover from the previous record in 2003. But do you recall actually writing it?
0: Uh, I remember how it started. I was still living with my parents and we were touring at the time. But I remember I had this the piano riff, the doodle, 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 doodle. That thing, and I would just play it over and over and over again. And my parents were so sick of it, like so sick of hearing that. And <laughs> uh, it's funny. This this last Easter, I'm, we're all at my sister's house, and she's got this baby grand, and I'm playing. And my stepdad's like, oh, I wish. I could just sit around and listen to Matt play the piano all day and my mom's like, uh, let me remind you that when he was writing and he lived at the house, you were so sick of it. So it's Well, funny. I think
3: you just answered my question when you said that doo do or whatever how you phrased it. Yeah. Is that a triplet, that piano part in the chorus? I gotta get out of here. I'm
2: stuck inside, this rut that
0: I fell into I don't
2: know. Or
3: is it single notes? Ding, I just
0: think ding, it's quarter ding. notes. Yeah, but it's just fast. Just trying to do it as fast as I can. Okay,
3: and maybe there's a delay or something on there yeah. that, that I'm hearing. Okay, because I had I had that written down here. I was wondering if that was just single notes or if that was uh, was some delay. I'm here. It's 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 such a hook. Oh. Uh, something how something so simple could just define a song. You know, when that part comes on, if that wasn't there, it wouldn't be the same. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So getting into the song, the intro, it's guitar right off the top for four bars. Then the stereo guitars, bass and drums for 12 bars. Then the whole groove changes. Drums go to a four on the floor beat, bass is laying down an awesome vibe, and the guitar, stereo guitars left and right are playing this counter rhythm pattern that is so cool. And it's almost like you get two intros here at Uh the top, Yeah, which is kind of strange in and of itself, but it works great. guitars i feel like i'm playing ping pong in with my ears they're just going back and forth and it's so it's so electric that part it's great
0: cool uh yeah there's there's definitely an energy to that live when we were cooking it up and big influence was no knife do you remember no
3: knife oh yeah yeah
0: a cool band we saw them open for jimmy world back in 97 and wow. like loved them ever since so that was a little little no knife kind of nod there but yeah uh we i guess we had two intros right and we liked them both so we're just like let's just do it all at the beginning of the song
3: you know yeah no like i said i i, I think it it, work, it works perfectly in this instance and do you recall doing a demo for this song
0: Ooh, there has to be one that is a great question though uh yeah there's probably there's probably a group of mm-hmm demos that that are out there somewhere, but I I wouldn't know what they sounded like.
3: I didn't look on YouTube. I'm I'm gonna look because we always try to try to play a demo, but I can't imagine. And I don't mean I mean this with sincerity. I can't imagine the demo would would be. I mean the production <laughs> the production right. on this song. I imagine the demo would be like a skeleton because there's just so much there's so much going on. There's not on enough
0: here. hands and fingers and drumsticks to do it, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean there's there's a lot, but. Uh, yeah, if you, could, if you could dig up a demo, I'd, I'd love to hear it. And like I said, we'll, we'll we'll take a look online and see if we can find one.
0: Yeah, I think we probably protected those pretty well.
3: <laughs> <It's> like, don't <laughs> let anybody hear this. Well, a- after this, what I'm calling a double intro, we get into verse one.
2: I'm giving up, I'm giving up slowly. I'm blending in so you won't even know me. Apart from this world that shares my fate. This one last you mentioned, it's my one last shot of redemption. I know to live, you must give
3: your life away. I've given up on giving up slowly. I'm blending in so you won't even know me, apart from this whole world that shares my fate. This one last bullet you mention is my one last shot at redemption, because I know to live, you must give your life away. What are you saying there?
0: Well, it's a Christian lyric when we were writing this album, we were very much, you know, just a part of that scene. And uh, I loved writing songs that were about just my spiritual journey. And, and honestly, in this instance, I wasn't too happy with myself. And so this song is talking about me kind of being in a bad place, wanting to get out of it. I liked the the last shot at redemption. I, I guess I was thinking about that in my mind and I'm like, oh, you know, there's got to be a bullet, right? So you make a little, little cute little pun out of that. And, but yeah, I enjoyed writing that.
3: How do you usually work? Does the lyric come first, or does the music and the melody come first, or sometimes it did all all come together?
0: In this particular instance, I remember singing, I've given up, i am given up slowly, and I didn't know what it meant, you know, but that was just like the first thing that kind of naturally came out while I'm playing this piano riff. And then the rest became, yeah, lyrical, like poetic craft like sitting there with a piece of paper and a pencil and trying to write a rap you know I always just looked at it like how can I write a rap get these words to flow and rhyme and like impact on the right beats and the right you know sort of thing so
3: isn't that great when you sit down and, and that stream of consciousness happens where like, Amen. you know, those, those, what you call them, those placeholder lyrics end yeah. up becoming the lyric in the song. Cause you can't best it later. Amen. Yeah. And, and it does mean
0: something, you know, I guess it came from, you know, but I was like, I wasn't really thinking about what it meant when I sang
3: it. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times. And, and this was kind of a, of a, uh, point of contention years ago, you know, less than Jake's first drummer, Vinnie, he wrote all the lyrics yeah. back in the day. So There'd be times when, like, we'd be doing demos, we didn't have a second verse, and I would just make up something, and then we'd get in the studio, and the producer's like, you know, we'd have a second verse by then. He'd be like, well, wait a second, you're not singing the same thing. I'm like, I know that was a nonsense thing. He's like, yeah, but it's better than the lyrics that that's there, you yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> not so much it's a better lyric, but you know, a lot of times you sell it with conviction right. there's like an authenticity
0: with that yeah initial
3: yeah that you can't you can't replicate with other words they could be the same amount of syllables the same amount of words and it just doesn't connect the way that uh, the the placeholder lyric connects
0: yeah that's that's the thing about music i especially songwriting that i haven't quite wrapped my head around yet is why that initial thing that you come up with is always the best and it's how it's hard to beat things you know when you're trying to to beat your demos or whatever.
3: It really is. Well, this first verse <laughs> after the first two, what I'm calling the, the two intros here, the song just keeps getting what I'm going to use the word strange, not in a cool. bad way just in a great way off the top. It's just vocals in an insanely fast piano part. The bass notes of the piano are playing, the root notes there. That's for the first three lines. On the last two lines, guitars, bass, and drums are in there with the piano, but yet it's another groove here. Uh-huh. You're getting another feel in the song. So we're already at like five. We're already in five feels, and we're not even to the pre- first pre-chorus. That's funny. <laughs> Was there any talk or any thought at this point? from yourself or from Mark Lee Townsend, the other producer of, there's too many parts here. There's too many grooves. This is shifting around or, or was this just another song and you weren't thinking of it as as being your signature song or a hit?
0: Yeah, uh, that's exactly right. We We didn't ever try to write a song that fit the radio mold. That wasn't us, you know, so crafting this song, I imagine like we just had all these pieces and just, we couldn't let go of some of them, you know, they just, they had to be in the song. So you squeeze it in and, and then find a way to make it flow in the end. And I think, I mean, as you said, it doesn't sound like it's four minutes. (laughs) So that's
3: good. Well, and and speaking of the end, we'll get there later, but just you want to talk about tripping me out with, with, with a song. And again, I heard this song back in the day, but you know 2004 i was on the road 9 months out of the year i was you oh, know yeah. there was all kinds of stuff and 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 i never analyzed it like i did now and there's just there's just so much here after verse 1 we go into pre-chorus 1 this is where the first harmonies in the song start to happen and I've
2: been housing all this doubt, and insecurity and i've been locked inside that house all the while you hold the key and i've been dying. Girl, promise I'm going
3: because. And I've been housing all this doubt and insecurity, and I've been locked inside that house all the while. You hold the key. I've been dying to get out, and that might be the death of me. And even though there's no way in knowing where to go, promise I'm going because. What are you saying there? Uh, I think I got lucky with some of that stuff because it—you
0: <laughs> know—it's like it kind of works too well, almost like the. <laughs> I think I probably started with the house. You know, I've been like housing doubt and then I'm like, all right, so that's a house. Like how can you make the pun there? And then, you know, then you go with the key, you gotta, I'm locked in there. So you've got the key and then, uh, I like the death of me, too. Like, I'm, I've been dying to do this, and that might be the death of me. Uh, but yeah, I think I just kind of lucked out with that flow, that stream of consciousness, and it turned out to be almost funny, but yet serious,
3: you know? Do you remember the other guys or Mark? Uh, were they critical of the lyrics? Or did they say, hey, maybe this line could be better? Or or was this what you wrote? Um, <laughs> You're laughing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't probably get a lot of criticism about the lyrics, because I think... Nobody else really you know did it. So I was like, well, if you if you don't like it, then um. but I would definitely always listen if yeah, Matt and the other guys would always pipe up about a lyric they didn't like here or there. but for the most part, they they trusted me and I don't know, it was is cool that uh, I don't know, I never felt critiqued by the guys.
3: Okay, and, and, and that's good, good and bad. Sometimes it's bad when yeah. when you got guys in the band that are afraid because they can't say something. These are my lyrics. People freak out. Right. But you know, it sounds yeah. like you'd be receptive if someone was that uh, oh, yeah. forthright in, in saying, hey, this could, this could be a little bit better here. There's harmonies on the first two lines, and there's harmonies on the last two. On the third line, there's harmonies on the words, I've been and at the very end, be the death of me. Uh, in the middle there, there is no harmonies. And I always ask, how did that happen? uh that's a great question were there harmonies there and in the mixing stage you said wait maybe we don't need those let's mute them yeah
0: probably and then i guess there was so this element i love just putting a third you know that third note harmony on basically everything ever you know so i probably harmonized the entire song and then we went through and said where where can we take these out you know sort of thing i think we often would do that with Reliant case hey, songs it's like all right let's make the harmonies at least a treat you know somewhere let's not have them through the whole thing
3: That's <laughs> cool. That's that's one thing. I've really gotten out of breaking songs down on this Is every song i'm amazed at where the placement when I look at it of the backing vocals Because a lot of times, you know, you'll get into a, a A formula i've done it where it's like, okay, here's the pre-chorus There's going to be on the first and third line a harmony and that's like how many other oh, yeah. songs we got And now when i'm doing harmonies i'm really thinking like let, let's not have it on the first pre-chorus and only the mm-hmm. second, you know? And that's why yeah. I always ask about those placements. It's very interesting to me. That's cool. Yeah, well, here, pre-chorus one, I wrote, there's yet another groove. It changes again. It's a whole other feel here. <laughs> the guitar, bass, and drums, and the piano here. But it's really cool where the snare and the hi-hat lock. That dunt dunt. inside
2: that house. All the while you hold the key. Now have been dying to hear
3: yeah it's great and it again it it doesn't feel like it should work it's kind of jarring almost but what a cool groove
0: yeah dave uh such a treat to have in the studio especially pre-production he just would make songs special with his drum parts and uh you know there would probably be a communal sort of let's agree to the drums should do this or that but we would try a bunch of different stuff and i'm sure you know that's how we landed on that
1: and I like that you
2: like
1: it. Hey, everybody, don't go anywhere. We got lots more with Matt Thiessen after a few words from our sponsors. It's time for today's Lucky Land
3: Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today
1: at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Just in time for your summer playlist. Punchline's new single, Find Yourself, is out now. Everybody got so good at everything I'm just over here trying to keep my house clean I have an eye flow man, it's up and it's down I'm wondering if this is why I'm doing a town This is not a joke man, this is a fight Trying to find yourself in the right place, the right time
0: also...
2: Listen to Punchlines, find yourself on Apple Music, Spotify and everywhere else you can stream music Duh.
1: Now, back to the show.
3: If this was a straight pop punk song with a straight beat for the whole thing it, it just wouldn't be anywhere near what it is it it yeah it, it's unorthodox because of all the different uh, drum patterns and, and and the way it flows do you recall coaching uh dave at all or uh or mark uh lee townsend coaching him at all like hey maybe try this or that or does he pretty much come oh, in yeah okay okay yeah no that was the
0: thing Is a pre-production we would play these songs and then it's like, uh all the time. It's like, hey, why don't we drop it to a half beat here? Or why don't, you know, why doesn't the bass do this and the drums do that with it? And that was one of my favorite parts about, because you can write a song without the band, but if you don't have that drummer there to, like, change things and I don't know, um, it's just not the same. And so I actually really miss that right now, trying to write new stuff for the band. I wish... I wish Dave and I lived in the same city so we could
3: do that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you, you just can't get a drum program or a drum machine or, or, or you know, that nope. <laughs> can get anywhere close to, to, to something like this song, especially. On the last two lines here, uh, the drums go double time on the snare, and then we arrive in chorus one. I gotta get
2: out of here I'm stuck inside this rut that I fell into by myself. Get out of here and I'm begging you I'm begging you I'm begging you to be my escape
3: I gotta get out of here. I'm stuck inside this rut that I fell into by mistake. I gotta get out of here and I'm begging you, I'm begging you I'm begging you to be my escape Again harmonies on all four uh, of those lines but the falsetto thing, I can't do falsetto it's just huh. it. it's not believable when i do it it's actually kind of hilarious i i love that guys can do it and do it well have you ever lost your voice live where you could hit the mid-range register but you couldn't do the falsetto part the opposite
0: uh the opposite. if i lose my voice yeah falsetto stays so that happened recently on this last tour there was there was days where i felt like i couldn't hit some of the old top notes there and uh I just would switch to falsetto
3: instead and hope that nobody mind. You know, when falsetto is placed correctly and done right, as it is in this chorus, it, it's brilliant. Um, I've never found it in any of my music or, or tried to do it. Maybe someday, but it's just like I said, yeah. when, I, when I do falsetto, it's just not that believable. But this chorus is great. Stereo guitars, bass and drums, uh, and the piano that we talked about earlier is on every every beat it's it's awesome it's kind of sounds like it's more over into the right panned off right that piano uh hammering on that a note it's great i had written here triplet but you're you're saying no it's probably just a Uh,
0: you're right you know it's like it's it's all the it's like a. I think it's like an eighth note thing but it was fast it was it's hard to play and sing at the same time which is cool
3: (laughs) yeah and there, there might be some some effects on there the last line and i'm begging you i'm begging you i'm begging you to be my escape the drums go double time there and it, it, it picks up before we immediately launch into verse number two. Be my escape, Giving
2: up. I'm doing this alone now. Cause I failed and I'm ready to be shown out. Told me the way and now I'm trying to get there. And this life sentence that I'm serving, I
3: admit that I'm every bit deserving. But the beauty of grace is that it makes life
2: not fair.
3: In- and here's again where it gets interesting yet a new feel here the first two lines are stereo guitars and they're doing this syncopated pattern it's the pop punk thing blink was famous Uh for it newfound glory did it very well some 41 would do it but you're not defined by this riff and it's it's funny hadn't heard this song in a minute when this part came i'm like okay Now we're into the pop-punk part. Uh Okay, this this seems like it's getting maybe a little predictable. Uh Uh-uh. It's only on the first two lines, (laughs) and then it's on lines four and five where those syncopated guitars come in. You don't get it on line three or line six. Um, On line line three, the drums go halftime with some really cool fills. Uh, And again, on lines four and five, the syncopated guitars are there again. There's no harmony... On the fifth line, but there is harmonies on line three, four, and the sixth line. The lyric is, I'm giving up on doing this alone now because I've failed and I'm ready to be shown how. He's told me the way that I'm trying to get there. And this life sentence that I'm serving, I admit that I'm every bit deserving. But the beauty of grace is that it makes life not fair. It's interesting, uh, bit of lyrics there, especially this life sentence that I'm not serving. What's, what's happening here, Matt?
0: Oh, let's see A life sentence. Uh, I'm serving, I guess it's like being doomed to fail, right? The, the fallibility of humankind. Um, it's like, yeah, we're, we're born and we're not going to get it right, you know, all the time. And that's okay. That's the life sentence that I'm serving. But the conclusion. And it's probably my favorite line that uh, Reliant Case ever had is, is the beauty of, you know, grace and, and, you know, forgiving people is that it makes life this completely unfair place to be. And uh, that's a, definitely a creed in my life. You know, you see people online and getting all up in each other's grill about what they believe and what, what their view is and stuff. But you know what, it's like, You don't have to agree with everybody. It's not always going to be right, and it's it's okay. And the beauty of of life is that we can just be cool with it.
3: I think you need to come to my house this year for a a holiday dinner and argue (laughs) with my family, and we'll we'll see how we'll see how you come out of that one, Matt. (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put you to the test, my friend. You're too you're too even. Oh man, you're 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 too even keeled. Uh, We go right into pre-chorus two.
2: that house. All the while you hold the key, I've been trying to get out and that might be the death of me, and even though it's noin where to go promise I'm going
3: because pre-chorus to is pretty much the same lyrics here, except you start off with cause instead of and on this okay. on, on this one here. Probably, did you get in front of the mic and just say it that way? Or was that a conscious decision?
0: Mistake, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wasn't thinking.
3: <laughs> I love those beautiful mistakes. Sometimes they're cool and that adds, yeah. that adds that bit of realness to it, you know?
0: Yeah, maybe a subconscious way of separating those two sections, right? It's only that one word, but It makes a difference
3: yeah it's cool well this is an interesting pre-chorus because there's now a lead guitar part throughout doing a counter melody lick Mm -hmm. to the vocals it's very subtle but it's great i feel it more than i hear it that part cool and when it when it came across like why does this feel different this this doesn't feel the same as pre-chorus one i went back and went Oh, that lead guitar lick's not there. And do you recall that happening in the studio?
0: I'm sure the intent was just to give that second pre-chorus a little lift and a little something special and new.
3: And was a lot of that done off the cuff in the studio?
0: That would have been done in the studio, yeah. Okay,
3: so this this wasn't like, like thought out beforehand. This is the exact part. It's something that you, hey, we're doing overdubs. Let's figure out something that works here.
0: Right. Let's get a cool tone and add a little lick here in this pre-chorus. Yeah, exactly.
3: Man you know the the rest of songwriting like the initial melody or whatever and chords i can usually come up with it's getting down to the lyrics and the composition and arrangement where that starts like i need help and and then when it gets to the overdub stage i'm usually pretty quick with that and magic happens i love doing overdubs
0: uh-huh i, I could see you being yeah with the guitar mm-hmm. yeah
3: it's it, <laughs> it, it, it's it's so much fun but yeah this uh you know the lead guitar doing that counter melody here just adds that little spark adds something different on the last two lines here there's no harmonies like there was in pre-chorus one but uh, on these two lines there's no harmonies i believe because there's vocal pads there doing the harmony if you would have done the double harmony Mm. you'd be using the same notes right right the pads doing the Oz here. It just lifts this part. It's so great.
0: It was kind of always this time, like you look at every song, like while you're finishing up the record, it's like, which ones should we put the Beach Boys on? You know? <laughs> and so always like, I just want to stack myself singing all these harmonies. And that was definitely like, okay, that's a place where we can give it a lift and do that.
3: How much time do you spend? With the harmonies, you had mentioned that, you know, I probably sang through the whole thing and then we go back and mute, mute stuff out. Do you think that there could have been on these last two lines in pre-chorus two, there could have been harmonies there you're like, no, let's keep the lead vocal, with, uh, you know, harmonies off of that because we're doing the pads behind it.
0: Yeah, they were probably recorded and we probably listened and said that
3: we need to clear some space to make some room for the pads. Gotcha. And any point up to this point in the song, we're, we're closing out on, on, on chorus two. Do you recall anything in the studio of like, hey, this part's too long? Or, or by this point, like you, you got the arrangement down all the way to the end of the song?
0: Yeah, that'd be a good question for Mark. Um, he would probably remember if he had to trim some fat. Odds are good. <laughs> right? <laughs> the thing is so clunky <laughs> and awkward. And it's got a little bits of fried chicken coming out the sides. But um, I think, yeah, we, this is probably definitely a compromise of getting it down to four minutes.
3: Now, you're, you're in the middle of making this record. And... Do you recall when, when the song was tracked? Was it tracked first in the record, middle, late? It was tracked at the
0: beginning part. I think we did, I don't remember how many songs are on the album, but we recorded most of them at one point, and then we added three more at the end. I had written three more songs. Uh, so yeah, this is part of the initial batch, but we would kind of work on them all at the same time. Every day it was just like, let's, yeah, let's try get five songs done on the guitar. So.
3: And it's funny. Every record I've ever done, I've always had one or two standouts in the demo phase or the writing phase. Like, oh, these are going to be the ones the fans love. And rarely does it happen. It's the other tracks that all of a sudden uh-huh. become the monsters of the album. You're like, where did this come from? You're in the middle of recording now. Mark's there, every all, the whole band you're recording, and, and the tracks are coming back. You're starting to listen to stuff being built. Was this song uh, a standout yet, or was it just another song at this point? It
0: was probably in our top five. But as I said before, we didn't choose to have Tom Lord Algie mix it initially, so we didn't really believe in it. And, and that, probably a little bit of that was... Again the clunky arrangement like thinking that it wasn't <laughs> yeah. it wasn't palatable for the radio or something like that yeah it's
3: really not for that time period if you listen to what was yeah. going on in in our world, you know pop punk and whatnot it was a little more streamlined than than something like this arrangement but uh, chorus too
2: get out complacency something gotta get out here begging you, I'm begging you, I'm begging you
3: to be my escape. Different lyric on the second line. So it's, I got to get out of here. But the second line is, because I'm afraid that this complacency is something I can't shake. Third line, Sam, I got to get out of here. And in the end, and I'm begging you, I'm begging you, I'm begging you to be my escape. But that second line there, why'd you change that?
0: Uh, I didn't think that the rut line, uh, the first chorus, mm-hmm. I think fell into this rut or stuck inside this rut that I fell into by mistake I didn't think that was strong enough to do three times so I was like let's come up with another one and as cool to squeeze the word complacency in there and and that line does make sense complacency doesn't sing very well you know <laughs> it's, it's, it's like did I ruin it but I guess I didn't ruin it but um uh, but yeah, definitely. Just wanted to to give that that chorus a little something different because that rut line. It's it's weird to use the word rut, mm-hmm. I guess, to me. And I was like, I should probably
3: only do that twice. <laughs> do you remember that changing in the studio, or did you already come in and say, "Now, second chorus is going to be a different lyric"?
0: I had that already. Yeah, you had
3: that already. That's that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, after chorus two, this is where the the song just completely. From here on out, just, it is great. It's just like epic from here on out. And before we get into... This part, I think I called it the bridge, but it's actually a reintro before the bridge. Um, on the last line yeah. of the on the last line of the chorus, before we move on, the drum groove is different here. It's different every time at the end of the choruses, which huh. it, which again is just adds to the whole. I'm, I'm using the word unorthodox, <laughs> but it's it, it's never the same drum groove. It's completely different on all three times the chorus happens, which I think is great. After chorus two, we get into a reintro for four bars. In my escape. that scratchy overdriven guitar from the top of the song with a really blown out processed drums at this point. And then there's a big hit on the drums and big stereo guitars ring out for four bars as the intro guitar riff continues playing. And then we get into a bridge. I'm a hostage to my own humanity self detained and forced to live in this mess i've made and all i'm asking is for you to do what you can with me but i can't ask you to give what you already gave
0: yeah so again going back to just the christian environment that we we all grew up in the idea is that the solution is already there right you know you the path is there to follow and and in the beginning of this bridge i'm just saying man I've set myself up to fail and, uh, you know, it's basically it's self deprecating, but like at least acknowledging the fact that I
3: need to make a change. Do you find, you mentioned during this time period, you were going through some personal stuff and do you find that, uh, you know, having strife, uh, <laughs> in your life can sometimes age you as a songwriter?
0: Oh, unfortunately, yeah. And how many times have I created the strife out of a need to create,
3: you know? (laughs) I'm going to smash this guy's car window so I have something to write about. Yeah. It's
0: happened.
2: I'll I'll deal
3: with the consequences later. It's so funny. I've been been so prolific as a writer during times of crisis before. A breakup or, you know, the death of a loved one or something and just this song will come out. Like, where did that come from?
0: Sometimes it's hard to find... A reason to write a song, especially something that like you feel like this lyric needs to be out there. Or I need to get this, you know, off my chest. And so yeah, when it's when it's so personal like that and, and it's therapeutic for you. That's when that's when songs need to be written. That's when they need
3: to exist. Right. Something else I love about this bridge is how sparse the harmonies are and where they're put. It's perfect. On the first line, you get a harmony on my own humanity. On the third line, what you can with me. There's no harmonies anywhere else. And again, like you said, you you probably sang a bunch and that's just kind of where you picked them because they made you feel good. Give it a break. <laughs> Give it yeah, a break. Take some out. No, it's it, it, what we do. It's great. The first two lines of the bridge are just drum and bass only. And the bass sounds like it's got all of a sudden like this distorted growl on it. It's like a process sound, but it's just yeah. it's so big and vibey. It's, it's great. Um, and the last two lines here bring back the feel of the intro guitars doing that back and forth ping pong in the left and right uh-huh. speakers, that counter rhythm thing. It brings it back there. Yeah. And on the last line, there's an eighth note build up with the whole band for two bars, this cool little part that then launches us into pre-chorus three, where it gets weirder.
2: Cause I've been housing all this doubt and insecurity, and I've been locked inside that house all the while you hold the key, and I've been dying to get out. That might be the death of me, and even though there's no way of knowing where to go, I promise I'm going.
3: Keeps Uh, getting weird. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This part is just piano and synth strings up until the word dying. I'm going to read the whole lyric, and I got some other stuff to to talk about production-wise here, but uh, when this part comes in, you're getting the pre-chorus again, but what a great departure here. Um, The lyric is all the same up up until dying, and on that, the big stereo guitars and drum hits happen on dying, and it's like a bang, and then to get... Out, there's another hit on out. Big. It just. It almost sounds like the guitars were there and they were muted and unmuted. And you know, it's just. It's such a cool. Yeah, it might have happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's such. It's such a cool dynamic part. and then at the end, there's eighth notes uh, on the guitars and drum. There's a build up on the line. There's no way in knowing where to go. Promise, I'm going because there's a build up there that leads us into chorus three. How did this part come about? Did you ever think that this was going to be full band? And you're like, no, we got to throw him another wrench here. We want to break this down to piano and synth.
0: Uh, definitely wanted to break it down. Uh, it was, it's always a little, I, it's not a trick, but it's one of my favorite things to do in a song is give it that respite and take it to ballad mode. Um, I, as a singer, way prefer to sing quiet and soft and delicate. And I've kind of always thought it was really hard to sing in a punk band. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you lose your voice and, and all this stuff. And, uh, so, I would always try to actually put little moments of uh, relief for myself in songs. Like, okay, you can breathe here. You, can, you don't have to sing
3: so loud. Well, this part, this pre-chorus is so catchy. It's like a kind of a chorus in and of itself. But here, it, it, it doesn't feel samey because the production changed. You're getting the piano. Yeah, you're getting the pre-chorus again, but it's so great what you did with the production. Chorus number three. I'm going
2: because I gotta get out of here. I'm stuck inside this rut that I fell into by mistake I gotta get out of here And I'm begging you, I'm begging you, I'm begging you to be my
3: escape It's the same lyric here as chorus number one. We're getting that second line again. I'm stuck inside this rut that I fell into by mistake. So different lyric there. And then that drum grew I was talking about at the very end. And I'm begging you, I'm begging you, I'm begging you to be my escape. On begging the second begging and the third begging and on the word B, be my escape, there's these big hits with the drums and the guitars there. So yet incorporating yeah. another feel that wasn't there at the end of the other <laughs> the other two choruses. And then I believe this is the first time in over 100 plus episodes, Matt, that I've used this term. This is a coda. At the end of the song cool <laughs> i forgot that word existed that's what i'm calling this and for the listeners that's I, awesome and for the listeners i actually had to look this definition up and, th- and this <laughs> is the perfect definition for this part it's uh, a coda is a detached portion of music which is the end of a song and when this came on again It almost feels like you're going into another song like how does this work with the rest of the song but it does It's such a cool part I fought
2: you for so long So are you? So are
3: you? Again, you're coming out of the chorus with these big hits on 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 the three beggings and and the B. You get those big hits with the drums, and then all of a sudden there is these eight bars of this beautiful piano with these synth sounds that are interspersed through there. Almost sounds like bells happening, little ringing, yeah, yeah. little ringing bells. And you're yeah. like, what is this? <laughs> and then the lyric comes in. I fought you for so long. I should have let you in. Oh, how we regret those things we do. And all I was trying to do was save my own skin. But so were you. So were you. What's happening?
0: Uh, again, it's like going back to that, I know the path. There's a there's a clear way that I could get out of this. Um, and yet i'm fighting it you know and and this is kind of a retrospective like i should have i should have given in to i don't know trying to get over all this stuff and I guess I uh, I should probably edit
1: that. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Ahead no, we're gonna leave. We're gonna mulligan. leave that in. You know, we always
3: for the listeners. Uh, Chris, our producer, always tells the guests, "Hey, if you say something that, that comes out, you know, you don't want to say it, we'll edit it out." But I think I think what you just said is perfect. It completely sums up this okay, part. It completely sums up this part because the part's so weird, but it's so it's yeah. so cool. Every time I've listened to this the past couple of days, Matt, I said, "Dang it." If I could put a coda on a song that was this cool, <laughs> it's just yeah, just, just p- props to you. On the third line, you get a harmony on, oh, how we regret those things we do. And you get a harmony on the line, but so were you. The last line is just a single vocal. On the line, oh, how we regret those things we do, there's a buildup on the piano, the bass, and the drums. It's not super heavy, but you think you're going somewhere again. then no, it just dies down. Uh-huh. It's like this <laughs> crescendo that goes, whew. It's like, wait, what just happened? Yeah. And on the line and all I was trying to do was save my own skin. Right after that, there's an O, but it's now stereo, the vocal. It's left and right, the O's. And it's so cool what that what that does right there, that that mirroring of that vocal. Uh, the panning Thanks, of that uh, is in stereo, and it's re- really cool. And then the last three notes of the song. Now... I believe this song's. Do you, do you play it with a capo when you do it live? Uh, I only play
0: piano and uh, I actually have to tune my. I do, I play a keyboard, so
3: I, I transpose it. Okay.
0: Because uh, I learned it in G sharp, which it's not in G
3: sharp. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, the last three chords here are E, D, A. It ends okay. major after you've had all these minor chords going on. Oh, yeah. It ends on this big A and it's just, so were you with these three little piano notes. And it's like, what did I just hear? And it ends <laughs> it's a little s- sappy. Yeah, but, no. Yeah. But uh, again, I guess that you you wanted to make this a little different, as you had said, and and you weren't thinking like, hey, this is going to be our breakout song or a song that defines our right? band. But was yeah. there ever any talk? Look, this is a bit much now. At this coda, what what does this have to do with the rest of the song? I
0: believe that the like the music video and the single probably doesn't have it, right? I don't think. I don't think they played that on the radio. Well, yeah, um, I had
3: when I was, and I always go and I'll look up chords and stuff to see if I'm playing right stuff. And a lot yeah. of a lot, most of the stuff, seventy five percent of the stuff is wrong online. But I came across oh, yeah. this one site that said uh, ending part. They called it outro, and it said optional. And I thought, what does that mean? And then I went and looked, and I noticed uh, I noticed yeah. that it was cut. For, so so there were some radio play this that weren't playing the coda.
0: Well, I I don't think we wanted them to. Yeah, you know, oh I don't sure, think we no. Yeah, be that annoying, like, oh, I gotta listen to this extra minute of ballad on the rock radio station. But um, (laughs) I remember writing the piano part to that outro probably before the rest of the song. And I, the whole goal was, I was like, I want to write something on the piano that I find challenging to play. Cause I didn't really push myself as a piano player. And so I just had to keep it, you know, I had to keep this part because I had worked so hard on writing yeah. something that was hard for me to play.
3: So well, what a, what an interesting and great song. And I, I'm, I'm going to ask, so now the record's done and did you get a vibe of this song? You said it was in your top five, but now you get the mixes back and you're like, wait a second. And when did it hit you that this song was something? Was it when you went out and played it for your fans or you noticed online, the song was blowing up? I'm assuming 2004 probably would have have been blowing up on MySpace, maybe then. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, That probably was true. I I don't really remember. I really
0: think it was just that story of, you know, when the major label wanted to do something back then that could kind of make it happen And this is our first shot at being on, on Capitol and that was the song they picked. And so I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it could have been a different song, Um, but I'm really glad it worked out the way it did. Um, And I don't remember who picked it as a single. I really don't.
3: (laughs) Well, man, I got to tell you, and and, and I don't say this every episode. This is one of the more interesting songs I broke down on the show. It's really great. Thanks
0: Chris. It's really great. (laughs) I appreciate it. Anything
3: else you'd like to leave the listeners with what's going on with you, the band tour day. It's what's happening
0: uh we just finished a tour but it was our first one in four years or so oh my god so it was really cool to get back on the horse you know it's it's pretty crazy i mean you guys have been touring for 30 yeah yes
3: it's our it's our 30-year anniversary this year yep do you ever take more than a year off never no the most we've ever taken all this time is uh i think we took four months off in 2014 that was the longest break yeah. we ever had. Yeah, we. So you have we, no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, not really, because we were we were always from the school of we were afraid to stop touring because people would forget about us, you know. And then <laughs> then there's the other side of it, like if we go away for a little bit, then then maybe they'll want us back. But we were always afraid the door might be shut <laughs> when we decided yeah, not to, for you guys when we just, yeah we decided yeah. to get to get back on the horse. But uh, yeah, man, just thank thank you so much for for uh, being on with us today.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. Can't wait to see you guys play again.
1: I hope you all enjoyed that amazing conversation with Matt Thiessen. But don't go anywhere. We got lots more to Makes a Podcast after a few words from our sponsors. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. Hey, everybody. If you like Chris to makes a podcast, I'm going to assume that you like music podcasts. And if you like music podcasts, check out One Hit Thunder. Each week, we dive into a one hit wonder. And along the way, we gain some knowledge and have some laughs. Lou Bega, Crazy Town, Harvey Danger, The New Radicals, aha. We're over 100 episodes in now. And to paraphrase the great Matthew Wilder, nothing's going to break our stride. Subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods
3: near the end of the show Here's a band you might not know Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know If you'd like your band to be considered for Chris to make a podcast all you have to do is email your best song via MP3 only and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com This week's featured artist is For The Legion a four-piece punk rock band from Stockholm, Sweden consisting of Ed Lindgren on vocals and guitar Hala Lindgren on drums Johan Loss on guitar and Marcus Biggerson on the bass. You can find their music on all the streaming platforms. Here's a snippet of their song, Pick Me Up, Hey You.
2: around The Rap
3: with Chris and Chris.
1: So Chris, you had your work cut out for you in deconstructing this song to get ready for this episode. <laughs> yeah, to say the least, it was a pretty epic and uh, grandiose arrangement. This thing's a, it's a monster. I think that's what I've always liked about Reliant K and I think that's what my friends and bandmates have liked about him too is I think that in our world of music, in punk rock, pop punk music, you sometimes hear a lot of the same things over and over. You hear a lot of repetition, not a lot of dynamics, and you hear the same things kind of rehashed over and over. Sometimes, I think you may have noticed that, maybe just playing music for 30 years. Uh, but Reliant K has always stood out as being... Very interesting musically. You don't get bored listening to them. Yeah, no, I mean, I certainly I'd heard
3: this song back in the day, but I kind of missed the boat with them, and... Wow. it's uh, Again, I, I love this podcast because I get to see songs in a different light. I get to break them down and and uh, learn to enjoy them all over again for the first time. And this is a band. I started digging around in, in their catalog. What a uh, interesting band. And yeah, they could have taken the pop punk blueprint. I even mentioned in the second verse of this song, you know, they got, got those chugging guitars that are reminiscent of, you know, what was happening at pop punk, Blink and, and New Found Glory and, and, and some different bands. But uh, no, they, they didn't build... Just just a song around that because the song could have been just that a little little pop punk song, but it, it turned into what it is. And it's it's
1: uh, it's great that they push the boundaries. It's crazy how I know certain people who completely missed out on this band. They crossed over. Look at the sales of this album. they are I think 800,000 copies of this album. They made it on to, you know, at the time this came out trl on mtv still existed Mm -hmm. they made it in into the countdown at that time but obviously they were and are huge in the christian market and sometimes people just miss that i know i probably missed bands because it's kind of a whole different world but this band this band musically is just insane yeah by
3: 2004 when this was released i mean the the pop punk explosion you know, uh, it started, you know, I guess you could say, with Green Day and in the, in the early to mid 90s, but it really had its day when Blink hit in 99. And from there to 2004, the glut of bands that were happening that were getting signed to major labels, a lot of it just got lost in the shuffle for me. And I kind of probably wrote off uh, Reliant K as one of those bands, but they're anything but.
1: What an interesting, great band. Yeah, they're great. I love that he dropped the no knife influence. Yeah. That, that's also a band like that my band was, you know, early on influenced by or and just a very cool interesting band that's not what you would expect. To be an influence on Reliant K. Right. And it's very
3: interesting as well that uh, their producer, Mark Lee Townsend, has been with them pretty much since the beginning. You know, how they met Mark was a pretty, pretty cool story. And he only uh, sat out one record. He produced everything else. And, and you don't see much uh, of that today. I, I told Matt that uh, back in the day, 60s and 70s, you'd see bands that would have a, uh, a run of albums with the same guy, but, but not so much anymore. So I thought that was kind of cool. He, he referred to him as, a, you know, the, the other
1: member of the band. When you have that trust with a producer and you know that you're going to, that that producer is going to get the best out of you, the best performances out of you, the best out of your band, it's hard to want to go to someone else when it's a wild card. You don't know if you're going to have that same level of trust and, and the same level of working relationship. Sure. And I've also marveled the other way. There's bands that have had huge, huge
3: records with somebody and they'll go make the next album uh, not with the same producer. I just go, hmm, how did did that happen, you know? And a lot of times it boils down, they just didn't get along with that guy. Yeah, the album sold 10 million copies, but no way do I want to get back in a room with him and make another record.
1: Yeah, sure, sure. And um, I liked, this is pretty obvious, with a lot of great songs. I would venture to say most great songs, but you talked about (laughs) kind of... Creating the strife out of a need to create. And yeah. I don't know if people necessarily do that. Maybe subconscious. I really like this this solo artist. I've talked to you about her before, uh, Julia Michaels, but she has this one line in her songs. Sometimes I think I kill relationships for art.
2: Sometimes I think I kill relationships for art. I start up all the shit to watch them fall apart. I pay my bills with it. I watch them fall apart, then pay the price for it. I watch them fall
1: apart,
2: but I just want to be fucking
1: happy. I always think about that. Do we as musicians and artists subconsciously do that on purpose so we have something to write about? I don't think so, but. It's an interesting thought. Yeah,
3: I, I think with certain people, there's some self-sabotage going on for sure. I, I, I can't say that I've ever uh, <laughs> tried to <laughs> make my life go purposely bad so I could get a song out of it. But, but uh, yeah, you, you, you just never know. And that's kind of why I had brought it up because he had mentioned early on, he said, yeah, I was kind of going through a rough patch during this time. And it, it seems that uh, when we do that as, as performers and artists and musicians, that uh, sometimes great things
1: come out of that, uh, that pain, turmoil. I think it is borderline impossible to write a good song if you don't have something to say. Do you find that? Yeah, I do. Uh, a lot of times, I'll I'll just write lyrics
3: to have. You know, we again, we'll call them placeholders, just to have on a demo. And when I look back on them, a lot of times they don't they don't mean anything to me. They don't speak. Like the song's great, but why isn't the song moving me as a whole? It's because the lyrics not moving me, and it's it it it's not saying anything. It's not speaking to me.
1: Yeah, I think that if you are a songwriter that I don't care who you are, you're going to have bad moments. That's that's part of life. You're going to have sad moments, you're going to have angry moments. But you got to take advantage of that and as an artist, say like, "Okay, now's my time to shine. Now's that that should be your release. If that's not your release, maybe you're doing the wrong thing." Mm-hmm. I, I don't mean to, you know, unless you're just a ripping musician or something. But if you're an artist, whatever your art is, if it's songwriting, yeah. If it's painting, yeah. When you're going through something, that should be your release. And uh, yeah, I I like that you talked about that. And I also liked that you talked about, well, Matt talked about how he gives himself moments of relief in songs. That's pretty smart, Chris. Do you do that in your songwriting? Give yourselves Think ahead to when you're going to be performing the song, and be like, you know what? I got to give myself a break. I mean, I know in Lesson Jake you got multiple singers, so maybe that that those are your breaks. Yeah, not
3: not so much in that way, but but I've but I've certainly written things that I didn't realize later were going to be a pain. <laughs> it's like yeah. why did I stack all these vocals on top? And you know, there's there, there's no breather in here. And and sometimes when you're when you're writing, you don't think about that, but. You know, I love uh, I love how humble Matt was. and And uh, I want to give another nod to their drummer Dave Douglas on this song. I mm-hmm. mean, just, the parts that he came up with, and it sounds like he was receptive to uh, both Matt and uh, producer Mark Lee Townsend's suggestions, they'd say, hey, maybe change this up. And you know, every chorus, the chorus is supposed to hit you over the head uh, in a repetitive way a lot of times. That's the hook of the song, the meat and the potatoes, what you remember from it. And in this track, yeah, the chorus is, is pretty much the same, albeit the second chorus has a different lyric, but every end of the chorus from a drumming standpoint is different and that's interesting on a hit song. You don't see that a lot. It's vastly different all three times.
1: Yeah. And, and uh, one more thing, and I think this is pretty obvious when people listen to this, but uh, Matt Thiessen's a really nice guy. I got to know him because Steve from my band lived in Nashville for a few years and they became buddies down there. And I definitely hung out with him down there. He was always just the most happy, smiling, <laughs> down to hang out guy. And, um, I don't know. You don't always expect that from someone from a very popular band. Always really nice. He did a guest vocal on a Punchline song from our last album, the song called Darkest Dark. Always been just... Such a, a cool guy. I think that obviously comes across in this episode.
3: Yeah, I, I used the word humble with him. He was uh, he was a pleasure to talk to, and and uh, as I said at the top, uh, he mentioned Less Than Jake as a main influence. I was I was very very flattered. It was very very cool of him to say, and he just looked happy to be here today. He had a smile on his face the whole time, and it uh,
1: was a great episode. I'm always happy when people say something like that because I'm like okay because Chris you know some of these guests we have on here they might not know less than Jake they might just think yeah. they might think it was this jag off podcast host <laughs> I'm doing this but when they know that you are a legitimate like songwriter and and member of this legendary band and and that I don't know I think that it just adds this extra level of like mutual respect. Not saying that there's anyone that's been disrespectful, but maybe maybe some people have come on and just been like, oh, it's just this guy has a podcast. I'm just doing this thing. But yeah, I think that makes it extra cool. I could tell that he was psyched to be talking to you today. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm not just a guy with another podcast, Chris. I also have a VIP
3: program here, a supporting cast that we can offer to the fans for as, uh, for as little as a cup of coffee or a beer for Chris and I a month. You can get extra episodes. It's called the After Party that we'll give you each week. So go over to ChrisToMakes.com and sign up. We'd love to have you.
1: Yeah, you're not just a jag off with a podcast. You're a jag off with multiple podcasts <laughs> <laughs> and a band. And a
3: band, too. That's right. So once again, head over to
1: kristamakes.com.
3: You can sign up over there and be part of our supporting cast. If you haven't already, join our Facebook group. I know I'm a broken record with this, but, uh, yeah, we have 4,000 active members in the group and growing. It's a great place to talk about the episodes, the episodes that are coming up, the episodes that are already out. You can expound on everything, and uh, Chris and I get in there and, and chat it up all the time. Please give me a follow on Instagram at less than Chris D., and, uh, yeah, want to thank this week's guest, Matt Thiessen, for sitting in with us. We'll see you next week.
1: Do you enjoy the content and production of Krista Makes a Podcast? Do you have an idea for a podcast or an existing podcast that you'd like to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. At WeKnowPodcasting.com, we have over 25 years of combined experience in the pod field, and we're ready to help you succeed in the golden era of podcasting That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well,
0: hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack.